1: You're the name above all now.
2: Hallelujah! want to give God glory this morning. Thank him for his loving kindness and for his tender mercies. You know, I'm getting ready to say something that only I would not know the depth of it. But I'm going to say it. God has been good to me. <laughs> ah, you just don't know. He's been good to me. I want to give honor to our bishop this morning in his absence, doing what his heartbeat is, and that is missions. Thank God for him. I want to thank God for our first lady this morning in her presence. Hallelujah. I want to give God glory and honor for all of our elders and ministers that's helping our pastor in this portion of the vineyard. Hallelujah. And I want to thank God for each of you, all of God's people that's working in this portion of the vineyard. Hallelujah. You know, I've been, I was sitting there thinking when uh, Sister McFadden was singing. I said, Lord, how did they know what was on my heart all week? You know, I come up in, you know, in the 80s, and that's when we did a lot of hymns. And uh, the Lord had put one on my heart. I said, I don't know how to sing that, Lord. I want to go with the flow of the Spirit. I mean, you know, with with the service, with the flow of the Spirit. And the Lord had placed it on my heart. So let me just sing just a couple of verses of it. And then we're going to read this. uh, And I won't be before you long. When peace like a
1: river of my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll
2: me this weekend. He was saying, one, I haven't heard you sing in a while. I want you to sing (laughs) this Sunday. And so I just thank God for this opportunity. We want to talk this morning about the divine enablement, dynamic power for completing the task. We say it again, divine enablement, dynamic power for completing the task. And uh, we're going to come from, again, we're going to lift the scripture out of Exodus 33, chapter, verse 12 through 21. I won't read all of it since we read it this morning. Moses said unto the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor in my sight. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor in your sight. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else would distinguish me and your people from all the other peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord said unto Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. <laughs> and the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front, pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name in the Lord. Uh, I will pro- proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence and I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, I can't, uh, you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock when my glory passes by. I will put you in the cleft of a rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face, you must, must not be seen. I want to uh, talk this more, I, this more like I, said, I want to talk about the divine enablement, dynamic power to complete the task. I want to uh, uh, focus on compositionally. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by that when they compiled the canon of Scripture together, you may be seated. When they compiled the canon of Scripture together, they knew of the redemption story. They understood it. When the scribes put it together, they understood it. And so uh, they actually put it together to convey to us the redemptive story. All right? So we have three incidents that happened that the Lord showed us something concerning Moses that we can lift out of here that will help us In this walk, especially during this time when the Lord is telling us to complete the task. Three things that happened with Moses that we will be able to learn from. Listen to this. As we know, Moses was given the task of leading the children of Israel out of approximately 430 years of egyptian bondage. Our our, our, our theme for the year, as I just said, is completing the task. I would like to talk this morning about, like I said, the three incidents that Moses had to deal with about the, uh, concerning the uh, uh, adverse situations which the children of Israel had gotten themselves involved in. Let me add here that, uh, that each of these situations, uh, God had threatened, first of all, to eliminate them. Now, I've heard people say, God couldn't have done that because he had a covenant with Abraham, and he couldn't have wiped all of them out. I beg to differ with you because God told Moses, I'm going to start with you (laughs) and make a stronger nation so God could have because Moses was a descendant of Abraham, right? But Moses stood in the gap, and he prayed each time, and the Lord listened to Moses, right? Moses had a a true pastor's heart. He prayed for the people. In these three instances, we'll see what was happening in the way that God granted strength, which enabled Moses to complete his task. Like many of us, Moses found himself in need of help in dealing with the various situations because they greatly affected his potential. For completing the task that God had entrusted him with. I was listening to a sermon this morning, a Bishop old sermon, uh, it was back in February. And Bishop talked about each one of us needing help. We all need help, right? And I was saying, uh, you know, I I had listened to it. I listened to it this morning. I had listened to it before, but I'm saying I listened to it again this morning. And I heard that and I said, oh my God, (laughs) that's going to tie right into what we're talking about this morning. And you'll see what I'm talking about. I want to look at these situations, like I said, chronologically because I believe, well, compositionally, but also chronologically. I'm going to look at them in chronological order because God revealed, he gave us a revelation. He gave us a picture that it started with one thing and then he added and then he added to give us a complete picture. Um, We're going to look at these situations. Okay, the first incident. Moses had ascended into Mount Sinai to commune with God, right? In Exodus 24th chapter. It was during this time that God gave Moses the instructions pertaining to the tabernacle. He gave him the instructions. However, when we get to chapter 32, in response to what appeared to, to, uh, to be Moses taking too long, they suppose uh, uh, that, uh, you know, We are uncertain. We don't know what has become of this Moses. And so they uh, 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 sweet talk Aaron into uh, making a calf. Now, that's tell us something. They had just come out of 430 years of bondage. And when they, uh, 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 the, the first spot they hit, rough spot they hit, when they assumed that Moses wouldn't be coming back, they hadn't seen him. Now, I thought about that thing last night. The first time I ever thought about it like this. I said, now, nah, come on now. They saw the, the smoke still on the mountain, so they knew God was there. Unless they felt like God had killed them. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> but they said, we don't know what, what has become of this mother. So they talked Aaron into building the calf. Aaron built the calf, right? And and you all know the story. Aaron said that he took the earring and all the gold. He put it in the fire, and boom, here come this calf. It just came out. Y'all know that ain't, that's not what happened. <laughs> He built that calf, and then he said this, Israel, this is the God that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Needless to say, God got angry because God had just told Moses. Listen to this. God had just told Moses. Uh, he, in the, the, the first commandment, he said, You shall have no other gods before me. He said that you should, make, you should not make unto yourselves any graven image or any likeness of anything in the heavens or in the earth beneath. They broke the first commandment before Moses can get it down the mount. Joshua coming down and Joshua says, sounds like a party going on. And Moses said, no, that's not a party. No, he said, sounds like they're being overtaken. Sound like they fighting Moses. Moses being the pastor, Moses said, no, no, that don't sound like that. It sounds like they down there. And all day and time, it sounds like they're throwing down. <laughs> and Moses, when he come down out the mountain, he was upset with them. You know, because he it said they, they were naked. Now, I don't know if that was a, in a, a metaphorical term or they was actually naked. But what was part of the worship of that idol was, you know, relations. And they were doing it. And so when Moses came down and Moses saw that, Moses was upset. Moses threw the, the tablets down and he said what he said. And then he asked him, who is on the Lord's side, right? Now, the Lord has said that he was going to wipe them out. Moses said that he asked the Lord not to wipe them out. In chapter 33, we see God began to refer to the children of Israel. Look, look how... How angry God was, okay? Now, people say, God don't get angry, whatever. The Bible says he will get angry, okay? Now, uh, uh, the Bible say, in in chapter 33, we see how angry he was. God began to refer to the children of Israel as the people that Moses brought out of Egypt. He called them your people. Why? Because they had rejected God. When they rejected God, then God stood back. Now, they had to suffer judgment because of the covenant. Now, judgment fell, and, and many of them died that day because of idol worship. Moses went back to the mountain, and when he went back to the mountain, uh, uh, he communed with God. But let me tell you this. Let me back up. First of all, God has said in chapter 23, my angel will go before you, right? But God also was seen himself in the midst of them he was a, a, cloudy, a cloudy pillar during the day, and he kept them uh, safe from the desert heat. At night, he was a fiery pillar that gave them warmth at night in the desert chill. All of a sudden, God said, my angel will continue to go with you, but I won't go. Why? Because of his holiness, God said, their sin will make me destroy them. Wow. That's how holy he is. I think this is a good time for us to thank God for Jesus Christ. Because we're dealing with a holy God. And it's only by the grace of Jesus Christ that we have not been consumed. It is in our text this morning that that I, I want to focus on how Moses handled these three potential setbacks in his journey of completing the task that God had uh, given him of delivering the children of Israel from bondage to freedom. Up to this point, the presence of God, uh, our Lord, it was noticeable. When people saw them, they noticed that God was with them. Moses said it in uh, Numbers 14. chapter. Moses said that all the people have, not, have they've heard how you are among the people. They've heard how you are uh, 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 with them at night. You know, you, your fire at night. They have uh, heard that you're a cloud of pillar during the day. They have heard that. Now, if you take that away, what's going to distinguish us from everybody else? The Lord told Moses, said that I will be with you. I'll go with you, right? Now, here again, let me show you something else too. How you know that God, had, God was angry with him? Moses took the tabernacle that was in the midst. He took it and he put it way out, outside of the camp. Uh, uh, Because they had rejected God. So Moses took the tabernacle. So now when you seek God, you got to go outside the camp. So you see, seeking God took a little more effort now. (laughs) When God moves away, seeking God takes a little more effort Sometimes God will move away. He'll step back. When we decide we want to do something else, He'll step back. And seeking God takes a little more effort. See, a lot of times people think they can go out and do what you want to do and how you want to do it, when you want to do it, and you think you come back and it's as you were. No, 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 no. It takes just a little bit more. (laughs) It takes a little bit more sabbatical time. It takes a little bit more praying time for you to be able to get back to where you were supposed to be. Moses was concerned about losing the signature identity to show, and like I said, just how angry God was he moved the tabernacle. This is another sermon, because we'll talk about everything that's involved with Moses moving the tabernacle. That's—it's a lot involved in that, right? But the Lord told Moses, say, once Moses prayed, and and I'm going to show you exactly what God done in just a little bit, but once Moses prayed, the Lord said, I will go with you. I'll do what you ask me to do. I will go with you, he said, and, and, and he was going to continue to send his angel with you, uh, with them. The second incident, in Numbers the 11th chapter, like I told you, I want to talk about it in a, a compositional manner. In Numbers the 11th chapter, the children of Israel complained and expressed their dissatisfaction with the manner God was supernaturally providing for them. They complained, they wanted meat. Psalm 78 said they lusted. See it's a different in and lusting and just won't. You know, when you won't, you can ask God for it or you can go to Moses. But they didn't go to Moses. They start complaining against Moses. All we got is this here manner. Ungrateful. That's what my mom would call it. Ungrateful. And sometimes she'll call you trifling, you know. That's my mom. <laughs> you trifling, <laughs> complaining about what God is doing. <laughs> Now, when they complained about that, Moses went to the Lord because the Lord was angry with them again. And the Lord was going to wipe them out. Moses prayed, and we're going to see what he prayed. Now, let's go back to the first incident because I'll talk about the third one later. They say Moses asked God to show him his ways after Israel had made the the, the idol God. Moses, he, he, he needed the strength. Because the children of Israel, because their response and what God had responded, uh, you, know, in, you know, based on what they had done, Moses needed strength. And so he asked the Lord, he said, show me your ways. He said, now you said that I found favor in your sight. You say that you know me by name. He said, if that be the case, he said, show me your ways so that I may continue to find favor in your sight. Now, I looked this up in the Hebrew text. and Let me tell you what it says. This passage is understood better in the original Hebrew because the word show me in a the, in the word that I may find uh, and that I might know you is the same word, uh, yada, yada. And the difference is that I might know you is, is, is in the imperfect type. Imperfect means it continues to go, it, it, there's no end to it imperfect. That means that Moses was asking God for a continual revelation of who he is. I need to know you, not just about you. And this is what this sermon is about because what's going on in the church today, what I have noticed in the church, been saved since 1981. Let me tell you what I've noticed in the church. A lot of us, we get satisfied with knowing about God, but we don't know him. We are danced off of knowing about him. I remember we used to sing a song, and I said, I'm going to stop singing that song. Uh, I, I used to love it when I was a young Christian. You can't make me doubt him, know too much about him. I said, well, I've moved a little further. I, I know him now. I just don't know about him. You understand what I'm saying? That was good for the saints then, but now God is saying it's time for us to know him because there are situations that arises that now we got to know God just knowing about him. It's like the people down at the bottom of the mountain. See, they knew about him, but they didn't know him. And Moses said, "That I may find favor, continue to find favor. Show me your ways." Psalms 103 says, "He made his ways known unto Moses, his acts to the children of Israel." That's another sermon as well. <laughs> Moses was asking to know God on a more, on an ever-increasing, uh, you know, in an ever-increasing way. Then Moses asked God to show me your glory. That used to confuse me. Because I'm saying, what do glory have to do with him knowing God? This was in my young Christian days. And I'm still chewing on it, okay? Show me your glory. Then I noticed what the Lord said. I will make all my goodness pass before you. (laughs) I said, what does that have to do with his glory? I will make all my goodness pass before you. You know, and I would declare the name of the Lord. Now, the Bible tells us that the Lord descended, told Moses to replace those tablets that he broke, to replace them, go cut out two more and bring them up to the mount, and I'm going to, uh, uh, well, Moses had the right then. And, and the Lord, uh, he dictated to Moses, and Moses had the right, right? So here there's Moses goes up there, and the, the Bible says it was in the morning, and the Lord came down, the, you know, <laughs> And the Bible says that the Lord stood with him there. And when the Lord stood with him there, the Bible says that then he passed before him. And when he passed before him, he said he declared the name. He said the Lord or the Jehovah, the Jehovah Elohim, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, and will by no means pardon the guilty. Visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. What did he just say there? He said that he's merciful and gracious, long-suffering. He's abundant in goodness and and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands, he forgives iniquity, transgression, The three levels of sin, iniquity, transgression, and sin, he forgives those. And then he said, but he will in no wise pardon the guilty. This is where a lot of people mess up because they think God is going to overlook their foolishness. They think, listen, God allows us to live as if he don't exist, but we're going to have to give an account of it because he does exist. The Bible said that it is a fool that says in his heart there is no God. And then you can tell by the way that fool reacts. You can tell by the way he lives that he's a fool. Saying that there is no God. Living like there is no God. Go on with your bad self. I always, when I say that, my kids know I say that a lot. (laughs) When I say that, I always think about Jane Brown. Say it loud. (laughs) Go on with your bad self. But the thing is, God allows us to live as if he does not exist. But we're going to have to give an account of it. The Lord descended before Moses and declared his name. He declared his name. Moses wanted to know him. And God declared his name. Now, why is that important, saints? Let me tell you. Throughout the Old Testament, you see that in a number of places. They always refer back to that revelation that God gave Moses. Like I said, Psalms 103. Psalms 103. Right, uh, the prophets they always refer back to him being merciful and gracious. In the book of Lamentation, Jeremiah, it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Okay, you see this? That was a revelation that God wants us. We need to learn that. Don't let the world dictate to us who God is. Don't let our circumstances dictate to us who God is. He said, His only Son. To die on our behalf. He is merciful. He is gracious. Long suffering. And so these are the things we need to be learning about Him, okay? So we can learn Him. Now, how do we learn Him? Glad you asked that. How do we learn Him? Saints, we learn Him when we go through stuff and we refuse to take down. That's when you experience God firsthand. Nobody, can, nobody has to tell you because now you know for yourself. It was like the woman who was at the well. She went and told the people, come see a man who told me everything. And, and they came and then once they came and heard, they say, we heard you, but now we believe because we heard it for ourselves. We have to understand for ourselves. Who is God? Don't be satisfied just knowing about him. Here, it shows us The first situation Moses encountered, God revealed to Moses who he is. In his essence, I'm merciful. I delight in mercy. Right? So we see first and foremost... Using Moses' situation as a pattern, we needed ever increasing revelation of the person of God. Selling for just knowing Him is not enough. This is what the Lord says: Let not a man, uh, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Jeremiah, the ninth chapter, verse uh, chapter twenty, I mean verse twenty-three through twenty-four: Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, nor the strong man in his strength, nor the wealthy man in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understand and knoweth me, not know about me, know me, that I am the Lord who executes uh, love and devotion, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things, right? Here we see it again, love and devotion, justice, and righteousness. I delight in these things. Let me just, just as a footnote, let me put it right here. You know, I've, I've always think about the, uh, the, the 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 account or the story or the parable that Jesus gave about the uh, people. Say when he come to set up his kingdom, and the angels will set on one side, uh, the you know, like he do the goats and the sheep, right? And he will say to one on the one side, come. Uh, ye who are blessed up my father and into, the, and, you know, and into my, my kingdom. I'm paraphrasing it. Then he'll say to the one on the other side, you know, uh, depart from me, and you all know the, know, uh, know the story. And so they would say, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do great works in your name? And listen what the Lord said, I never knew you. He did not say, I never knew about you. He said, I never knew you. You see what I'm saying? There's a difference in knowing God and just knowing about him because God knows us. That's why he told Moses, I know you by name. I know you. Right? Right? God knows each of us. And then when we avail ourselves to God, then the Lord enters into the intimacy with us. And then he knows us by name. And the name may not be Steve. (laughs) It may be the name that he's giving you that nobody knows but him. But when he called, you answer. Ooh, because there's a whole lot of thieves in the earth. Oh, but there's only one, whatever God has put on you, whatever your name will be throughout eternity. Okay? My God Almighty. Ooh. Mm, mm, mm. Ah, okay, so Okay, so, so, so we see that God revealed to Moses about himself in in that second incident, when the children of Israel was complaining about not having meat, they just we just got this matter. Moses was a little upset. Moses got, got he, he he got a little sidetracked, and this is what he said to the Lord: Why have you brought this trouble on me, on your servant? Why have I not found favor in your sight? that you have laid upon me this burden uh, this burden of this people, that I conceive all these people? Did I, now, I'm going to tell you so you can read it because you may think I'm just reading. It's Numbers, the 11th chapter, verse 11 through 17. Read it for yourself. This was the man of God talking. He said, did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth so that you would tell me to carry them in my bosom? As a nurse carries an infant uh, infant to the land that you have sworn to give their fathers, where can I get meat for all these people? For they keep crying out to me, "Give, give us meat to eat. I could not carry all these people by myself. Listen to his cry. It is too burdensome for me. If this is how you are going to treat me, please kill me right now. Just the man of God talking. The man who God reveals himself. See, sometimes you can get so despondent, you can get about all that. If I have found favor in your eyes, you know what so saying, now kill me if I found favor in your eyes and let me not see my wretchedness. Now, how did God respond? Did God get mad at him and say, I dare you talk to me like that? No, he didn't say that. A lot of times, that's the God we see. Because that's the God we have concocted in our own imagination. And so the God we've concocted in our own imagination, he'll say that. He'll get mad if we pray like this. You understand? Moses was a friend of God. He he prayed to God like a man that talking to another man face to face. The Bible said God knew him face to face. They knew each other. Oh, my God, I can't get into it. But the Bible lets us know that the knowledge is in the face. When you're talking to a person face to face, that's where the knowledge is. For God has commanded the light to shine out of darkness to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. For now we look through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Then will I know even as I am known, we need to talk to God face to face. Seek ye my face, my heart says, unto thee thou face, Lord, will I seek. Not your hand. I want your face because that's where the knowledge is. Then the Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of the elders of Israel, known to you as leaders and officers of the people. Bring them to the tent of meeting, uh, and I have them stand there with you. And I will come down and speak with you there. Now, here's Moses just got through praying, but this is how God responded. See, we we got to know God because he didn't come back. He knew Moses was upset, right? But Moses was upset for what was concerning God, and God's people was concerning him, and Moses was concerned about, about the people of God. And he was saying, this is too much for me. And the Lord told Moses, I will come and take some of the spirit that is on you, and I will put that spirit on them, that 70. They will help you bear the burden of the people so that you do not have to bear it by yourself. Bishop said that we need help. Sometimes we're too proud to ask for it. But Moses asked for help. He said, I can't bear all these people by myself. So first of all, God gave him a revelation about who he is. Second of all, God gave him help. If we're going to complete the task, we need a revelation of who God is. We need help. We are in the body of Christ. We are not an island in and of ourselves. God never meant for us to do it by ourselves. I pour into you and somebody else is pouring into me. Constantly, that's the way it works. My body, thank God, you can't see everything, but my body, it is actually <laughs> Feeding it, uh, uh, each other. You know, I was really blessed when I had that situation with my glucose level. And I was in the hospital, and, I, and it blessed me so much. The, the doctor came in there, and she told me, she said, your body was fighting to stay alive. I, I mean, I was amazed by that. Your body was fighting to stay alive. I was losing weight. But she told me, you losing weight because your body was throwing everything it could at the situation. It was fighting to stay alive. And so my body was working together. For us to complete the task, saints, so we're going to have to work together. The Bible says when the children the, when the of Israel was, was in the wilderness, it said that they tempted God. Listen to how the psalmist said it, uh, it happened, and we'll see why Moses was upset. They tested God in their hearts by asking for food for their lust. Yes, they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock so that water gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide meat for his people? Therefore, the Lord heard this and he was furious. So, a fire was kindled against Jacob, and the anger also came up against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. First of all, let me say this Moses goes up to the mount, he's taken longer than we anticipated. We get impatient because we are accustomed to what they did in Egypt, they ain't take that long. Well, this ain't Egypt, Dorothy. You ain't in Kansas no more. So <laughs> things ain't like it used to be. Be patient. You understand what I'm saying? I'm. Mean, you, you know when they should have gotten nervous? When the cloud moved from the mountain and Moses still didn't come down. That's when you get nervous. But the cloud was still on the mountain, and because we're thinking with our carnal kind of thinking, we say, okay, okay, this ain't working. So we're going, We, you know what, what will happen? We go back to default. We go back to where we were. How do you know they went back to where they were? Because they made a cow. They went back to what they were accustomed to. And you all know that we do that too. When we hit a rough spot, we go back. I remember when I first started taking computers, they said, you can never go wrong going home. You hit the home button. When things get all crazy, you hit the home button. But as a Christian, you don't want to continue to keep hitting home because you keep going back to square one. You can't never advance. So they uh, made an idol. And the Lord told, told Moses, he said, I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to travel with you. I will give you rest. This was, this was after the first incident. I'll give you rest. We can gather from the, uh, the ways these accounts are, are, are listed in Scripture uh, what God feels is needed for each of us to complete the task. And we had just said that. We need a divine revelation of who God is, and we need help. What did Moses need? There we go. He needed to know the covenant God that he was in covenant with with. The importance of this revelation can be seen throughout the scripture. For instance, Moses, uh, when he interceded for Israel in the 14th chapter, this is the next one. In the 14th chapter, and and I'm going to just tap on a little bit and then I'll go into a little bit more. In the 14th chapter, the children of Israel, you go, you're in the wilderness. Balaam, Balak had called Balaam and said, I want you to curse these people for me. They're getting on my nerve and I'm a little afraid of him, I want you to curse him. Balaam couldn't curse him, so what Balaam did to still get the money, because Balak had, had offered him some money, what he did to still get the money, but he couldn't curse him, he told uh, Balak how he could make them sin. He said, take those women. They, uh, I think they were uh, uh, Midianite or Moab women. Take those women and let them entice the men. I don't know if these were single men or I don't know if they were married men, but whatever, these women, when they went to doing the dancing, those men got enticed. Next thing you know, they, they were worshiping their God. The Lord got angry with them again. He was going to wipe them out again, right? Moses stood in the, the gap. So we talk about divine revelation. We talk about Moses needing help. Now, let's talk about what happened. This incident, we see Moses applying the revelation. So we need to know who God is. We need help, and we need to apply the revelation. How did Moses apply the revelation? The children of Israel was, uh, uh, they have committed, well, no, let me back up. Let me bag up, let me bag up. That was an incident, but this is the biggie. This is the biggie. That was an incident, but I want to talk about the biggie. When they came to the promised land, they sent 12 spies into the promised land. Now, it didn't say that God had initially told Moses someplace. One place it did say God told them the next thing. and said Moses, uh, they come to Moses and say, let us go spy out the land. So we don't know exactly how it happened. We just know they went to the promised land. They went in and, and they went to spy it out. They came back, 10 of them came back with a negative report. And uh, they, um, you know, made the people's hearts a little sad. The people got nervous, and they felt like the Lord had brought them out into the wilderness to destroy them and destroy their families and destroy their wives, and all of a sudden, these men was talking about their wives and their children, right? How why the Lord has brought us out here to destroy us. Now, in the book of Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, it talk about this, and, and it called it, the sin of unbelief. The sin, not sin, not plural. The sin of unbelief. Why do we call it the sin of unbelief? Because when they got to the promised land, they rebelled against the word of God. It was the sin that so easily beset. It's the sin of unbelief. If you look at the whole book of Hebrews, it's talking about faith, Right? It talked about the children of Israel. They could not make it in or go in because of their unbelief. It was their unbelief they rebelled against the word of God. So here it is, we rebel against God's word. We don't enter into the things that God has called us to because we don't believe it. We don't think God will protect us. We see the giants. We see all the problems, the potential problems, so we won't enter in. Right? It is the sin of unbelief. The Lord was angry with them. Because they would not enter in. Like I say, Hebrews 3.9, in reference to the promised land, it says, so we see that they, would not, they could not enter in because of unbelief. Uh, Ten or twelve spies brought back a negative report about the land God had promised them. They murmured and complained, buying into the idea that God had brought them into the wilderness to destroy them and actually projecting on the Lord the mistrust and the skepticism associated with the so-called deities of the ancient Near East. It was God that they were accustomed to, so they projected that onto God. They never, listen, with those gods, you never knew when you had done enough. You were constantly working because you never knew when you had. You didn't know when enough was enough. So they did not trust in the mercy and the glory of God. They didn't trust that God could be merciful to them. They, 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 did not, uh, they could not trust that because they was Abraham's seed that God was merciful to them. He was in covenant with them. They couldn't buy into that because they weren't used to divine mercy. They weren't used to that mercy. They weren't used to the righteousness. They weren't used to that. So they felt like they had to work for it and they felt like they had to do something. That's why they would constantly end up Back into adultery, I mean, uh, 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 back into adultery, trying to appease those gods because that's what they were accustomed to. Now, let me ask you this. Are we accustomed to doing, (laughs) trying to appease? Or are we comfortable in the love and the compassion of God? Because if you're, not, if you're not comfortable with the love and the compassion of God, you think you got to work. You think that God cannot be that merciful. God cannot be that gracious. So we think if we are a Christian and we stump our toe, we think God has rejected us. So we're constantly, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me. Don't y'all know that it's not all about that? We're going to take communion today. Don't, don't you know communion is not about... Uh, you know, you sitting here afraid God going to wipe you out? The Bible says we're supposed to be celebrating, proclaiming his death until he come again. It's a time of celebration. It's not a time for us to be so skeptical of who God is and what God has done. Listen what the Lord said to the priest in Malachi, and I'm closing. Like I said, they remember to complain, feeding their unbelief. They distrust God. The Lord told the prophet in Malachi, You have wearied me, the prophet said to the people, you have wearied the Lord with your words. When you start speaking your own thing, you're not speaking the word of God, you're speaking your own thing. You're speaking what you think, what I think. What do the word of God say? You know, I don't care what the Bible say. I believe whatever. You need to stop with your proud self. Where do it stop? You disbelieve everything, where do it stop? Why should I believe what you say? When you say the Bible is not right, then where is the truth? And what you just said, why should I believe what you just said? For all of those who say there is no absolute truth, I'm getting over into the apologetic end, who say there is no absolute truth, then why should I believe what you just said?
1: It's got to stop somewhere.
2: I I get frustrated, I guess y'all can tell. I get frustrated when I'm looking at some of the stuff on television. Some of it under the name of Christianity, and I'm saying, this is crazy. But anyway, the Lord told them, Your words get get, styled against me. Then the Lord told them, Your words have been. Stout. I'm gonna say, he said, "Your words, you uh, you have wearied the Lord with your words, and then he said, your words have been stout against me.' In other words, you have your words is going contrary to what the Lord says. Your words are going contrary to who God is. The Bible says God is merciful, but you are saying that 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 the Lord is 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 is." Is honorary is, is, is and you don't know how to take them. And, and, and when you pray, uh, uh, are you coming all afraid and you shaking when you go before God? When the Bible tells us to come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. I don't care what sin you have done. When the prodigal son came home, did it say he came home shaking? Jesus gave this parable. And if Jesus wanted us to believe that the man, that the, that the boy come home shaking, he would have told us. Say, so he came home trembling and his father ran up and hugged him. That's
1: not what it said.
2: He came home, he had a heart, uh, 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 he was sorrowful for what he had done, but he knew that his father, if nothing else, would make him as a higher servant. He knew that because he knew his father. God Almighty, he knew his father. So that's why he went back home. It's when we don't know God that we keep going away from him. We keep going away from him. I don't care what you done last night. I don't care what you done this morning. Don't walk away from God. Walk towards him. He is merciful. He is gracious. He's long-suffering. He loves you in me. He don't care. He loves us. And this thing that people has looking at nationalities and thinking they're better than somebody else, and my God, you know what? I'm not real crazy about people. Israel is God's chosen people. Please forgive me. Don't, don't throw bricks at me. He, that, listen, do y'all know why Israel is God's chosen people? God did not say, okay, let me choose somebody. Okay, I'm going to choose you. That's not what he said. He was in
1: covenant with Abraham.
2: That's why they was God's people. That's why they ended up being God's people. God was in covenant with Abraham. And because he was in covenant with Abraham, Abraham's seed, his natural seed. But guess what? God promised Abraham a spiritual seed. That's you and I. So who's better than who? Nobody. That's why I love the book of Romans. The apostle Paul destroyed that. He said, where is boasting then? It is excluded. Where is boasting? God, God got rid of all of that because when we come to the cross, everybody's equal. When it comes to the cross, everybody's equal. I don't care how much money you got. You can't take it with you when you die. Can you take it with you when you die? You can put gold and everything else in a coffin with a person, in that with a person when it die. and guess what? The body's still going to go back to the dust. God come on man it's time to wake up it's time for us to learn who God is the revelation Moses received earlier framed the words he would need to intercede for Israel uh, as it pertained to this matter when they wouldn't go into the promised land Moses asked and this is what the Moses said to the Lord now uh, please let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised sin the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity. Listen to him now. Listen to him. He applying the revelation now. See, he's praying the revelation. Hmm. The Lord has slowed the anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving is transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people. According to the greatness of your steadfast love, uh, just as you have forgiven the people from Egypt unto now, then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. <laughs> but everyone from 20 years upward would not be allowed to enter into the promised land. So, 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 so you see, divine judgment did come. God didn't wipe them out as one man in that one instance. But, uh, 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 but what did happen? God allowed the children, everybody 20 years, I mean, under 20, 19 and, and younger, he allowed them to live. They entered into the promised land. But everybody 20 and upward, they died in the wilderness. Okay? Because it was, okay, hmm. What has to die? That old mentality. The old way of thinking has to die. As long as the old thinking won't enter into the promise of God. That carnal kind of thinking would not enter into the things of God. That carnal kind of thinking would not seek the revelation of God. That, that old carnal kind of thinking would not seek the help from God. It won't seek God for that. Then it will refuse to go into the promises of God. It, will, it won't think that the promises are for them. It won't think that they have anything to do with the promises. Guess what? You still got to uh, uh, mix it with faith. Whatever God says, the Bible says that the, it did not profit the children of Israel because they did not mix it with faith. So there is something we have to do. We got to mix it with faith, right? Knowing who God is. The Bible said that God was not always child, neither would he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sin, nor has he rewarded us according to our iniquities. Now, this is the psalmist that's now talking about this revelation, right? Saints, what I'm trying to say, Seeking God is based upon who he is. Knowing about him can only get us so far. But the time has come that we need to know him. Now, somebody may be asking, Elder, can you explain again how do we know him? First of all, saints, we're going to have to set aside time to where we are in the face of God. And don't be like the children of Israel, get impatient and then go back to doing what you're accustomed to doing. Stay there. Wait for the Lord. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he should strengthen that heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Your change is going to come, but it's going to come in God's timing. Just remember, I don't care what happens, I don't care what wind blows, just know that he is for us. And to prove that he is for us, he gave his only, his only begotten son, that he may die for us. He lived the life that we cannot live, he died the death that we cannot die, could not die. And then he was resurrected so that we may be made anew. Saints, let me tell you, the time has come for us to not be satisfied with just knowing about God. There's many good fellowships out there that I have seen um, that are satisfied with that. Let me tell you something the Lord done with me. I had finished my studies for my master's degree, which is in Christian apologetics, and I was... You know, trying to seek where I could, you know, if I could do a doctorate degree, if I wanted to, and the only doctorate degree they had was um, in um, it was in apologetics, but it's called the uh, intense track, and so I would have had to go to the school once, once a semester. So I had to go to Virginia. I didn't want to do that. <clears throat> so when I Finally wanted to go, I went on out there, I said, okay, I'm just going to get a doctor in religion, you know, in in, in Christian ministry. When I went back out there, Saints, I lied to you not, they had just put a program up. It was a PhD in biblical exposition. I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't even know what that was. (laughs) I just know they had just put it up, and so I said, let me see what this is. And when I found out what it is, Saints... I said, this is where the Lord is trying to tell me to go. I need to go here. I need to do this. I was talking to Brother Jonathan. I got five classes left. Uh, And they're basically dealing with with my thesis. But since I tell you this, what I've learned is uh, biblical hermeneutics. I've learned how to dissect Scripture. I have to go back to the original language and look just like I told you. Sometimes we see words translated in English be the same words in Hebrew. We don't know that, right? Because it's translated in English. My point is, this is part of us knowing God. Everybody is not going to go to seminary. Everybody's not. But there are books out there, saints, that we can study. We can increase our learning. We have to get to the place to where we don't just accept the commentary because it's their commentary. We got to know when the commentary is good. We got enough people in the body of Christ who can let us know when the commentary, what commentaries are good and what commentaries are not. Right? I said, I'll let to say this, saints. It's the time has come for us not to be satisfied with just knowing about God. Because just knowing about God is what the people at the bottom of the mountain, that's where they were, and you see what happened to them. Right? So today what we're going to do, we're going to pray for, if there's anyone out there where you have said or you're saying, based on what was said today, you said, I see myself there. I see that I have gotten away from God. I see that I have not allowed God to work in me what he wanted to work in me. And you want to come back home. We want to pray with you. After that, we're going to pray with anyone who don't know, um, who don't know the Lord. And we're going to ask God if he will. Uh, well, he will. That he save you. Once you uh, confess your faith, or profess your faith in Christ, let us pray. Father God, it's in Jesus' name that we come this morning. Our hearts, oh God, uh, uh, fit with joy because we know that you love us. We know that you are merciful and gracious, long-suffering. And Father, I saw a prayer today. Anybody who have walked away from you because they felt, felt like that maybe you didn't love them, they felt like that they couldn't measure up, or whatever reason they walked away, we ask, O oh God, that as they come back today, that you would receive them. We pray for everyone, Father, regardless of who they are or when they will hear this message. If their hearts have been pricked, we pray for them. Father, you know everyone that you, uh, uh, that you have spoken to their hearts prior to this message. And you know those whose hearts are prepared. We pray for them. Oh, God, we ask that you would move in their hearts in such a way. In this last day, move, Father. Move in their hearts like never before. Resurrect their thinking. Resurrect their ministries. Everything about them, oh God, that had fallen down, we pray that it would be resurrected in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Now Father, we lift up anyone who don't know you. And they want to get to know you. They realize that Life is more than what I see now. And they're asking themselves, once I leave the earth, then what? We ask, oh God, that you would save them as through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They actually were saved over 2,000 years ago. We ask that you would repeat with me, Lord God, I realize that I am a sinner. I realize, as a descendant from Adam, I am a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died. I believe that He bore in His body my sins, my transgressions, my iniquities. He took them away. I believe that He was resurrected. On my behalf now father I confess that he is Lord and it's in Jesus name that I say that I am now your child I am saved in Jesus name we pray amen